Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. I don't know a time in my life when I've seen the, the need for the manifestation of the Lord and His presence, His wisdom, His discernment, His righteousness, His mercy is this particular stage that we're in. What an appropriate heart cry. Lord, we need You. Father, we commit to You your holy word, it's yours, it is eternal. We praise you that the words of men will fail. We praise you that only your word is eternal. We thank you for those servants of yours, Lord, who have heard and believed and stood on your word throughout time. Thank you that we are able to be carriers of the word. We pray right now that the Holy Spirit, who inspired the word, preserved the word, anoints the word, will fill your servant and speak to all of us. In Jesus' name. And all the people said. Amen. Turn with me, please, to Proverbs chapter 4. While you're doing that, early this morning, even last night and again today, I gave the Lord thanks and praise for one of his servants, Dr. Martin Luther King. For the boldness to speak out when the world wanted to snuff out his message, for giving his life for the truth. When it was been so easy to just pastor his little church there in South Alabama and not do anything, he rose up and took the mantle that God gave him Thank you, Heavenly Father, for Dr. King and his legacy. It is a shame and a disgrace that the devil has used so many to pervert that good, powerful word. But although they have sought to pervert it and to bring evil and violence into a movement, it didn't stop the movement, and it will not. Because God is the author of civil justice. Listen to me carefully, saints. If you today, as a believer in Jesus, if somewhere in your mind or emotions you somehow believe that you are more valuable than somebody else because of the color of their skin or the station of their life, you are sadly wrong. You need to go before God 
and confess that is sin. I don't care if you're black or white or brown. Thank God for the love and the grace and the equity of our Father. None of us are more valuable or less valuable than anybody else that He's created in His own image and likeness. Can you say amen? We started last week a new series called The Wisdom Clinic. The Wisdom Clinic. We define wisdom as the ability to see things like God sees them. Boy, Pastor, I would love to be able to just be able to see this situation the way God sees it. We found out that the Lord invites all of us and has made His wisdom available to us. Let's look again at Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 5, get wisdom, get understanding, do not forget, do not turn away from the words of my mouth. This is wisdom speaking. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. In all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her and she will promote you. Let me read that again. Exalt wisdom and she, wisdom, will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, favor, and ability. A crown of glory she will deliver to you. Hear, my son, and receive my sayings. The years of your life will be many. I've taught you wisdom. And I want you to go to verse 23. Keep a watch, keep a guard over your heart, your inner man, with all diligence. For out of your inner man, out of your heart, your spirit, Spring the issues of your life. By way of a brief review from last week, we talked about how God invites us into wisdom. James 1, 5 is one of my favorites of all time. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all freely and without finding fault. But, all, but ask in faith without any doubt, because the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man think he'll receive anything from the Lord. Woo, that's a sobering passage, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I, I cry out to God all the time for wisdom. All the time. I told you last week, and I want to tell you again, in the, in the scriptures that I pray over you every day, as well as for Dina and me, I cry out to the Lord that he would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of our heart would be open and we'd come to know what the hope of his calling is. The wisdom of God is available to us. We need to ask for it and believe that God desires to give it to us. We, we talked about uh, how in our reborn spirit is where I love this passage. We don't think about it enough. 1 Corinthians 2.16, you believers have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. By the Holy Spirit, placed in your inner man, the mind of Christ. And, uh, you know, one of the great things that we learn in the Scriptures, Colossians 2.3, is that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom 
and knowledge. All the treasures of wisdom are in Jesus Christ. There is no true wisdom apart from Him. And when you're born again and the Holy Spirit, is, it comes to take residence in you by faith, then you have the mind of Christ according to the Scriptures. So we have the opportunity to seek the mind of Christ. Lord, what are you thinking about this? And I ask you for wisdom by faith, I receive it. Regardless of how I feel or what I think, even if the confusion doesn't go away right away, I thank you, I have your wisdom. Wisdom of God, the ability to have a top-down view, the ability to see things as God sees them. We talked about how sometimes in our inner man, the wisdom of God can be compromised through different things in our inner man. We, we can choose to live in disobedience. We can choose, and, and one of the things we talked about that poisons our inner man and keeps us from experiencing wisdom is unresolved, unmanaged, unrighteous anger. We saw in the Word of God that there is a righteous anger. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, Ephesians 4 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath and give a place and opportunity for the devil. I don't know about you, but sometimes the Holy Spirit has used that passage to convict me that I got angry for the right reason, but I let it stay too long, and it gave the devil an opportunity. Can anybody say, I've been there with you, Pastor? Well, thank you. I thought for a minute there I was out here by myself. So there is a, 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 a time and a place for righteous anger. What might be some of the, have you ever gotten mad at yourself? Sometimes I've gotten angry with myself because I knew I could do better than that. And sometimes that anger provoked me to go on and do what I know I ought to do. Just got aggravated at myself. It's okay. That's righteous anger if it makes you go on in to righteous acts. Sometimes there's righteous anger when you see something that is wrong, dead wrong, and God uses you as an agent of righteousness to help right that wrong. That's righteous anger. But sometimes we can, we can become angry about something and it has a righteous beginning, but God says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath lest you give the devil an opportunity. Why? Because anger poisons our inner man. It disturbs the atmosphere of peace, and peace is one of the gifts of the Spirit. So anger can poison that peace. You may be angry toward a person. You may be angry toward a cause. You may be angry toward a group. But how many of you know it's time to release that anger to the Lord? It's time to release that anger to the Lord. Well, Pastor, I don't believe in this, that, or the other, or this, yet, that. Go before the Lord with that anger and recognize that you even got to put a time limit on it. Amen. There is righteous anger. But there's poisonous anger, and it, boy, poisonous anger desires somebody to get hurt. Poisonous anger says, I want you to pay for what you've done to me. 
I want you to pay. How many of you can understand that we can get in that flesh without recognizing it? We can get there real quick. Somebody hurts us. We want to see them pay. We want to see them understand what this has done to us. Remember, we looked at the scripture last week, Romans 12, 19. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Do you believe that? So if vengeance is mine, says the Lord, who doesn't belong, who doesn't have the right for vengeance? Everybody say me. Vengeance is mine, but it doesn't stop there. God says, oh, I, I, I will pay. I, I, I will pay, says the Lord. When there are unrepentant acts and unrepentant deeds, God says, I am a just and holy God, I will repay. Wow. See, grace, grace doesn't circumvent the spiritual law of sowing and reaping. If I don't come to repentance... Thank you, Lord, for the gift of repentance by your grace. But if I refuse to come to repentance, then that which I have sown, I will reap. Amen? Boy, I wish that wasn't true, but it is. It is. And just because God is full of mercy and grace doesn't mean that he releases the law of sowing and reaping. What we need to pray is that we would open our eyes to the knowledge of the truth and that we would repent of those things that are sowing bad crops in our life. Amen? Unresolved anger distorts the true issues. Ephesians 6 tells us, verse 12, that we don't struggle with flesh and blood. How many of you know that your problem's not really with the person? Our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but with principalities, powers, and world forces of this darkness. Maybe what we ought to do is to stop believing that our problem has skin and bones on it and start praying against the spirit behind that behavior. Read it for yourself in Ephesians 6. Pray for the destruction of the spirits that drive behavior that bring pain. You know, anger depletes energy. It deceives us into who the real enemy is, and it destroys our peace, and it poisons our words. We talked about how to deal with anger last week. We've got to recognize it, repent of it, release it to the Lord. What I did years ago when I, I, I had a real issue is uh, I went before the Lord and forgave some people that had really uh, hurt Dina and me a lot. I went before the Lord and said, God, I don't even want to do this, but in the name of Jesus, you told me to do it, and I love you more than I love anybody else. And so right now, I, I hereby forgive and I call their names out. And boy, believe it or not, Scott, God had a longer list than I did. 
So the Spirit was telling me, don't stop there. You got, you got some more to list here. So I wrote my list down. Holy Spirit, bring to my mind somebody deep down that I still hadn't even forgiven. Didn't even know it. Boy, some names started cropping up. I started to argue with the Lord, and then I knew better than that. He's the Spirit of truth, not me. I get it wrong sometimes, don't you? So I began to say, okay, Lord, I hereby forgive so-and-so in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I, I forgive them, and I turn them over to you. They're in your hands now. See, I don't have to keep them in my jail anymore. I turn them over to you. You know, as time went by, I got more and more energy. I didn't realize how much energy it was taking me to hold on to some stuff. Can anybody say, I, I know what you mean, Pastor? Okay, four of us. All right. So wisdom, we can't really connect with the wisdom of God until we release things that poison our inner man like anger. So thank you for letting me review that last week. Now, let's ask ourselves this question what about, how do I know the wisdom of God? Everybody tell, I want you to listen. Some of the body of Christ somehow have gotten off of this. Listen, God's wisdom is God's word. It is not going to change. God's word is, was, and forever will be the final authority for his wisdom. It's not going to change. And I don't care if you like it or not or how much you vote against it or what. You can't, this is God's wisdom right here, His Word. His Spirit, who inspired that Word, who preserved that Word, who, who enlightens that Word to our understanding, His Spirit is the spoken Word of God. This is the written Word of God, and they never disagree. If somebody tells you, well, the Holy Spirit told me this, and it violates that, the Holy Spirit didn't tell them that. Didn't happen. He speaks with consistency. But sometimes there are all kind of issues that are not directly addressed in the Word. We know the Word of God says. We know the Word of God says that lying is sin, that anger is sin, that adultery is sin, that hatred is sin. We know. We've got a witness of the Word of God. But how do we have wisdom in those areas where the Word of God doesn't specifically uh, just spell it out what God feels about it? And there are myriads of those type decisions that we have to make. Well, the good news is when God doesn't specifically speak to an issue in His Word, His Word contains principles by which we can make decisions uh, that connect with the wisdom of God. Now, I want to get you to turn with me to Romans chapter 14. Romans 14. Romans 14 and, Roman, and 1 Corinthians 8 are the passages in the New Testament that talk about matters 
where there is room for disagreement, but we're not to judge each other as believers based on the fact that somebody came to a different conclusion than we did on, listen, on things that are not specifically addressed in the Word of God. Where God speaks in His Word about an issue, for the believer, there's no room for debate on that. It's the Word. It's not going to change. But there are issues that we address that, you know, we, we have to ask God for wise counsel. Should I take the vaccine? Should I invest in this or withdraw from this? <clears throat> Should I move? Should I change jobs? Should I stay put? Myriads of decisions, and you've got them in your, on your plate right now. What do I do about fill in the blank? Myriads of them. So what we need to understand is that there's not a one-size-fits-all on some things. I see believers now all divided about any number of things, and a lot of, a lot of times it's because we have not really looked into the Word of God and see, see what He says. Okay, let's think about something. Now hold your place there in Romans 14, and go to the right, one book over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And when you have a decision to make and you can't find anything in the Word of God that speaks specifically to it, what do you do? All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. First of all, broaden your perspective. One of the things that really wrestles us to the ground with confusion and wears us out is when we get obsessed and absorbed in, in an issue for which we don't know what to do. When you don't know what to do, step back and ask yourself, what do I know? What, what do I know? I, I, I got what I don't know, but what do I know? All right, first and foremost, 1 Corinthians 6 makes it very clear in verse 19. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, which you have, have from God, and everybody say this with me, you are not your own. Are you a believer? Has Christ redeemed you with his own blood? Does the Holy Spirit come to live in your own body? Everybody say it. That being the case, the Word of God says, I am not my own. You know what that means? You can't make a decision apart from consulting the Holy Spirit and be in line with what the Word says is the truth. If I am just shooting from the hip, if I am making decisions without ever consulting the Lord, the Spirit of God, the Word of God on what should I do, then I am violating what the Scripture says is the truth. I'm not my own. I'm acting in a manner that's not true. You're not your own, verse 20, for you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So first and foremost, when I need to make a decision, I need to understand whose I am. 
I belong to the Lord, and he should be the first one that I, can, uh, that I should consult. I've got to invite the Word and the Spirit of God and submit to his direction. But you know, when I do that, I've got to ask in faith. Okay, let's take some of these issues. <clears throat> should I take the vaccine? Should I, should I move? Should I, should I change jobs, churches, schools, homes? What, what should I do? Consult the owner first and foremost. He loves you. He wants the very best for you. But ask him in faith, God, would you please give me wisdom about this? Would you let me know what you're thinking about this? And I believe that you will show me that. Well, how's he going to do it? Sometimes you have a direct impression in your spirit, man, when you pray and you ask God, or even when you leave specific prayer, you begin to feel an impression, a, 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 a movement in a certain direction uh, after you've prayed and asked the Lord for direction. Sometimes you already have that by the Holy Spirit. You just need to be made aware of it. Uh, sometimes uh, God will speak to you through wise counsel. Church, you do understand, don't you, that I don't know everything. You don't know everything. It is not sin or failure to ask for counsel. Sometimes we don't ask for counsel because of our own pride. Ask the Lord to show you where there is wise counsel. Um, here's something else. Understand that your God is sovereign. He's at work in your circumstances. Ask the Lord to help you understand the circumstances that you're in and why he's trying to tell you what he's trying to tell you through those circumstances. Why should I get revelation from my circumstances? You do know the word, don't you? That not a sparrow across the universe falls except that your father knows it and cares. How much more does he care for you? Even the hairs of your head are numbered. How much more does your Father care for you? God is not only working from within, but God is at work to bring all things for His, His glory and your good. You know and you love Romans 8, 28, don't you? God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So maybe we should stop cursing the darkness we're in and ask the Lord to help us know why these circumstances are in that we're going through and what he wants us to learn from them. Some of the circumstances that you go through are very painful, but that doesn't mean they're without value. God will teach you great truth through adversity. Great truth. So ask the Lord what he thinks. Go to the Lord in prayer, in worship. Listen to his word, written and spoken. Listen to wise counsel. But let me make a, 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 a deal here. Don't think that God has assigned everybody to be your counselor. You can get too many of them. 
you know that? And they don't mean to, but sometimes they conflict with one another. Don't get too many counselors. I mean, besides that, it, it not only can be confusing, but you can eventually find a counselor who will tell you anything you want to hear. So make sure that it lines up with the Spirit and the Word of God. I'm not talking about you back there, Dr. Penn. I know you, you're right on target. Hey. Aren't we blessed to have that man in our church? Listen. But diligently weigh things that God has put in your life already when you're confused. Are you in a covenant with somebody? Hmm? Are you in a covenant with somebody? Are you married? Did you know that God says that the two of you in his eyes are one? Did you know that you don't have a right to just go live your life any way you want to and tell your spouse uh, that that's the way they need to line up? Y'all are supposed to be a, a holy partnership, not a dictatorship. There's protection and wisdom in covenant. God has given you the covenant partner he has if you've sought him to help you see things that you don't see on your own. I was uh, working through an issue this week. I look across the table and I say, Dina, what do you think about this? What impressions do you have? Are you in a covenant? Honor it. Well, we're in, we have disagreements. Well, just pray and wait till you get in agreement. Well, I don't, I don't, we don't want to do that. It takes work, doesn't it? Covenants will expose your selfishness, will it not? Oh, boy. God is the author of covenant. Let your covering know so he or she or both can pray for you, intercede on your behalf. Can I tell you something? There are certain things God will do for you because your spiritual covering is praying for you that can't happen any other way. How do you know that, Pastor? It was Jesus' idea to not, not only, he, he said, I am the shepherd of the sheep. And it was Jesus' idea to call out shepherds in his flock. Part of what shepherds do in the spirit realm is to intercede for you before the throne of God to help protect you. I wouldn't get up in the morning if I didn't have intercess intercessory prayer going on for me. I mean it. All you got to do is find out where your covering is and connect with that person or group. He or she, whatever. Counsel, listen to godly counsel. So I'm trying to make a decision here that is not specifically talked about in the Scripture. I listen to the voice of the Lord. I listen to the Word of God. Uh, I, I ask the Lord, what are you trying to tell me through my circumstances? 
I submit to covenant and covering and counsel. But what if I have to make a decision that the Word doesn't say anything about? All right, let's go back here now to our Romans 14 passage, okay? We're on the downslope here. Let's, let's tune in. And the context of this passage is there was a disagreement in the body of Christ about certain matters. Specifically, theirs was about eating and drinking and what was legit and what was not legit. And they were in all this conflict over what was legit spiritually and what was illegit. And um, verse 4 the Lord speaks through the Spirit of God through the, uh, the Apostle, and he says, verse 4, 14 of Romans, Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Who is your spiritual master? The Lord, right? Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another. Some say, well, you got to worship on Saturday. Some say, no, you got to worship on Sunday. Some say, it don't matter what day. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. He does not observe to the Lord, he doesn't observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord. One who doesn't eat, doesn't eat to the Lord. Look at verse 7. None of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Only the Lord has the divine right to have the final answer about our lives. Only the Lord. Whether we live, we live to the Lord. You know, some of us act like we live for, or we live for, who or what does it look like you're living for? Because you're obsessed with it all the time. You invest a lot of energy in it. No, whether we live, we live for the Lord. Whether we die, we die to the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, die, we are the Lord. Do you understand this? We're going to all give an account to the only one. Well, look at verse 12. Each of us shall give an account of himself to who? To God. Is that your favorite passage? <laughs> we will all give an account of ourselves to God. Lord, what have I done with what you've told me and what you've given me? Therefore, verse 13, let us not judge one another anymore. Remember, this is the, what's the context here? The context here is those issues about which the Lord doesn't speak specifically. Adultery is always wrong. Lying's always wrong. But we're talking about things that are a matter of choice. 
that are not specifically mentioned in the Word. Do not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this. Do not put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. What does that mean? The things, there are certain things that are okay for me that may not be okay for you. There are certain things that I can do or eat or drink that because you have a different journey, it might be something that would cause you to stumble. So if I know that I am in your presence and if I know that you have had a real struggle with something, maybe addiction, maybe a particular life choice, if I know that you particularly have a struggle with something, that you are weak in that area, I may be strong, I never give it a thought, it is not an issue with me. But if I know it's an issue for you, then i got to love God and love you enough not to do it in your presence. That's what the Scripture's saying here. And, and, and Paul is saying, you who have liberty, you don't have to give up your liberty, but don't use your liberty as an opportunity to cause somebody who's weaker to stumble. No, but you've got to have knowledge about that. You, you've got to know somebody well enough to know, well, you know, that could cause uh, somebody uh, not to do something or to, to do something that would really cause them to listen to the Word of God and the voice of the Holy Spirit and love Jesus and love them enough to be willing to say, I'm not going to do that in the presence of somebody else because I know that that's been a stumbling block for them. That's just love. Love of God. Now, <clears throat> in the church, in the Roman church, there were those who had all kind, they had all kind of freedom about what to eat and what not to eat. But also, there was, fell some Jewish believers who had been taught in the rigid uh, appetite laws of Judaism that there are certain things they just couldn't do. And then you had people in Rome who were being born again by the Spirit of God who came out of pagan practices. And they, to pagan gods in the marketplace, they would sacrifice meats to pagan gods in the marketplace. And some of these new believers, they didn't care where the meat came from, it was good. And they were going to enjoy it. But there were some who had been born again out of legalism and, and, and the rudiments of Judaism who said, well, I know and I belong to the Lord now, but how can you possibly eat that, especially since it was sacrificed to an idol before it was sold in the market? If you read that chapter, Paul says, basically what he's saying is, it's just meat. God created it, and he created all good things to enjoy. But 
If eating that meat offends somebody else's conscience, if it causes them to say, how could you possibly believe in Jesus and eat something that had been sacrificed to an idol? How could you do that? I don't believe you could wound somebody's sensitive conscience and cause them to fall away. And then he, he takes the principle farther. Whatever it is, whether you eat or drink, look at the last verse. Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God the Father. And then there's another passage in uh, Timothy where Paul writes to his young pastor. And he says, everything, meats, drink, everything is sanctified, set apart by the word of God in prayer. Did you know that's why you have a blessing, I hope? It's not some ritual, it's scripture. For in the context of eating and drinking, God, uh, the, the word says everything is set apart by the word of God in prayer. Some people have wondered why when I say a blessing, I say, Lord, we sanctified this food in the name of Jesus. It's in the Word. Suit yourself. Okay, so let's get back here in closing. I know that right now there's an enormous amount of uh, media and even pressure about a vaccine for this pandemic. Should I take it or not? And I, one reason I'm telling you is because walking in the, the, the office that God has given me, I'm hearing both sides. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I'm hearing both sides. Y'all not to do that and that. So let's look at our principles here. How do we make decisions like that, where there's nothing in the Word of God that specifically says do it or don't do it. Remember, number one, recognize who owns you. It's not the government. I said it's not the government of the United States. It's the Lord Jesus. Recognize who owns you. Ask for his voice. Ask for him to give you a witness in your inner man whether or not you should do it or not. <clears throat> Recognize it, his ownership. And then re research the issue. That's not a lack of faith. Here's what I've done. I've read on both sides of this. I've talked to medical professionals. Yeah, medical professionals who are on both sides of it. So I'm gathering evidence. And there are going to be those who would hear this and say, boy, that pastor, is he, he's, no, look. What I'm trying to tell you is, I, personally, I hadn't made up my mind yet. And I want you to know uh, that's okay. But I also want you to know this, there's not a one-size-fits-all. I have wonderful people that I love 
who have already received the vaccine, and I have wonderful people that I love who have not had peace about doing it. What I'm trying to tell you is there's not a one-size-fits-all, and stop throwing stones at those who disagree with your position. Father, we commit this word to you. It's your word. We ask you, God, for greater and greater revelation. We pray, Father, giving you thanks for the liberty that is in Jesus Christ. And God, we pray that we would continue to live in the freedom of abiding in the Word, knowing that your Word says that if we abide in your Word, we'll know the truth, and the truth will set us free. God, I commit these, your wonderful, wonderful sons and daughters. I pray you would bless them, give them wisdom and discernment and counsel. In Jesus' mighty name, and all the people said, amen. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.